0: Are you ready? Hey guys, come on, bring it in. Clap your hands now. When someone like Jamie Cullum says this... I
1: look at him as someone who has inspired me as much as any musician has. You think you've got the most records, you think you know the most about Blue Note (laughs) Records. Giles knows more about Blue Note Records than Don Was does. (laughs) Right? He runs the
0: label. Well, we just had to hang. Watch what happens when the people catch wind of the water. Hitting- Hi, I'm Greg Reporter. Welcome to The Hang. Liquid spirit. Each episode, I sit down with friends, idols, inspirations of mine to shoot the breeze about life, music, love, anything and everything that makes its way Back to art,
1: and I suddenly saw this is jazz. Man. Yeah, I became obsessed by this music, and yeah, I was on a mission, so I set up my own pirate station by the age of 15. Wow, my guest today is DJ, label boss, and tireless
0: jazz champion, Mr. Giles Peterson.
1: When I can play a jazz waltz at the end of the night, having played electronic music and bonkers UK bassline music and get a certain amount of spirituality at the dance, it doesn't get any better than that. That's why I continue to do my job to find that moment. And so here is The Hang. Come on, bring it in. So tell me about this, um, this podcast. called The Hang.
0: But it's a, uh, anything really, uh, just a good conversation, but heading in the direction of, of creating and making art or keeping it alive or supporting it or, uh, yeah. So it's just a conversation on that level. So it's been, it rolls along with, but, but big personalities who have something to say about the thing that they're in. Okay. And uh, you are that. That's <laughs> like <hope> I am <laughs> We're at the Cheltenham Jazz Festival And there is sound checks going on There are, you know, massive troops of people walking on top of us and around us So some of the noises that you hear, that'll be that um, But we're here with Giles Peterson, hanging
1: How many times have you done in Cheltenham? Uh, this
0: is, I think, like uh, maybe seven, <laughs> seven <laughs> times. I'm, I'm artistic curator at uh, this time. So, you know, they, they, got me, they got me everywhere this time. But it's been amazing. It's an amazing little festival, you know, village of, of, of uh, niceness that I like. I have always felt like the DJ plays a, uh, an essential part, you know. You, you, you are the practitioner of the, the medicine that, that we make, you know. It's very, very important. And I think what I love about my career is there's been something off of every album that somebody, if, if, it's, if it wasn't intentionally by me, somebody has, has taken it and made it to get it to some ears of some people who want to move their body, who want to dance. So DJs all over the world, you know, I hear so much from DJs all over the world, a ton from South Africa, and um, <laughs> I love. It's amazing it. over there, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, 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 I love it, and and, and I, I get, you know, I get all these messages from the from the, the first record from 1961. I love that. So I love the fact that I've been able to get into this DJ culture, this dance culture that happened quite smoothly, naturally, and and quite frankly, damn it, I like to dance, you know? So, yeah, it's, it's, it's been cool. And, and, and now, in jazz, you don't have to apologize for that. Yeah, which is cool. And you've, whether you know it or not, are instrumental in that. I, I um, remember being at St. Nick's Pub, and this uh, this British girl... That was living in the New York. Comes into the club one night, and she's jumping up and down. She's like, "You know, Giles is playing you." And I was like, "Giles who?" <laughs> <laughs> Giles Peterson is playing you. I was like, really? "She says she says it's really important. It's really big." I was like, "Okay." And um, I had heard of you, but she just called you Giles. You know, you only need a first name. So
1: It's a unique thing. I mean, definitely. It's funny you talk about South Africa as well, because as a collector, South Africa, some records would only come out of... Outside of America, they'd be released in South Africa, but nowhere else. So as a collector, I'd pick up records with South African labels on them from jazz musicians. I remember getting some rare John Lucian records and some John Hendrix records in South African pressings. Cause I couldn't get the American pressing. So that always made me curious about how come these records from the seventies and eighties were coming out in South Africa. And I mean, of course someone like Rodriguez, you know, who yeah. became a star over there and then sort of was rediscovered again, yeah. um, having come out of America and Detroit, but didn't make it, did he at Sussex? And then suddenly, you know, some, soldiers start playing him in you know in the Rhodesian War or something in South (laughs) Africa and the story came back and he became a you know they they rediscovered him but from my point of view what's interesting is that I think I was thinking about this yesterday because I interviewed Dennis Bevel um, for my radio show recently and he's a great reggae producer in the UK we were talking about his involvement and his history. And uh, he's one of, he's from Barbados and came over to the UK in the 60s. And he's telling me all about the sound system culture that happened in England, which led on to the Notting Hill Carnival and this kind of history that the UK, London in particular, and cities like Birmingham as well, have got with Caribbean culture. Yeah. And the impact that that has had on popular culture is, it's difficult to say how incredibly important it's been, you know, whether it's punk music, you know, all the punks and punk was a hugely radical music that changed everything. And if you look to, you know, the clash and the sex pistols and you ask them public image limited, what their influences were, it's all reggae, you know, it's all reggae. They were into reggae, you know, so this guy, and so this is what makes Britain quite interesting. This fascinating relationship with music, from beyond its shores yeah. and this kind of multiculturalism that's happened which is a different kind of multiculturalism to what happened in America so that I'm very grateful for as a Londoner f- With I'm French actually half French half Swiss lived in London from very young age I I wouldn't consider myself English, French or Swiss. I'd consider myself a Londoner, you know. (laughs) I wish there was a passport for that. (laughs) There should be, yeah. Yeah, there should be, especially right now. um... (laughs) I'm a Londoner. I haven't seen this before. (laughs) (laughs) That's the passport. Um, But yeah, so we have a responsibility right now with the way the world is, the planet is, the way, you know, business is. We were asking me the question. We were both at this television show yesterday, Jazz 625, which was quite a major platform for the music on a free-to-view platform. You know, it doesn't really happen anymore on television. I mean, you have to go on online, but this was the BBC doing a, a live 90-minute jazz show. Difficult, because they had to tick a lot of boxes to make sure that everyone's happy, as we know, jazz is a pretty open-ended word and it means different things for different people but this was an opportunity to have Joshua Redman Gregory Porter Robert Mitchell Camilla George play to a new audience you know yeah. people who wouldn't normally have that window in so it's an important window and um and and and, and so these are these are moments when you can ha- make a difference it's very easy I mean our world and me as a DJ and I'm going off at different tangents but it's it's interesting because we can always play to the purists right we can that's easy it's fun it's great it's amazing you're playing at home but I think the big challenge which is what you've been amazing at and I think is it's for me it's the gatekeepers and I see myself as a, as, a, as somebody who opens the door and people who wouldn't in any way be interested in what I have to offer or what the world of jazz has to offer, yeah. I can maybe bring a few in. And I think that's an important responsibility.
0: Can I call you a gate opener, I would think?
1: <laughs> yeah. Gate, gate, gate keepers <laughs> yeah. usually, ah, You're not good enough. Ah. No, you're right. I'm the opener. I'm the gate opener. <laughs> Sorry, I've said that. Yeah, exactly. But I mean, they're, they're the roles. I mean, I didn't just get into to, you know, Black Nile by Gregory Porter by mistake, I needed to find, uh, I had to get there, you know, and from the UK side, you know, I probably had to go through a few gates before I ended up at that gate, but I needed those openers to initially, uh, you know, find the way. Mm.
0: I've found the the UK audience to be, you know, really interesting. They have healthy ears Mm -hmm. and I can sense that there's a, um, when I came here, just when you just have a camaraderie with the fans or people who are first listening to you for the first time there's there's a it was a great appreciation for soul music
1: yeah and I I love it I mean it was interesting with you as well because I know that when 1960 what suddenly blew up I think from what I understand it was like a lot of the DJs from the soul clubs that were playing it yeah it suddenly just got picked up and it was enough people because these days it's difficult to break out because there's so many different little scenes and bubbles that you need everyone at once or you need one scene to really be powerful behind your music and with you, it was the, it seems to me the catalyst that got you out of just the straight ahead jazz world into something else. Yep. A new world had discovered you who loved soul music and, and jazz and that kind of mixture of all of it and Suddenly it was a hit record and you could play that record anywhere and it was there was enough of different types of people mm-hmm. that would dance to it and mm-hmm. love it. I mean it must have been amazing for you when that suddenly started. When you started seeing that, when did you start seeing that there was an effect? Did you did you was it at the gigs or did you start getting
0: Well, there used to be this this group that used to come to Saint Nick's pub. This is when we were this is before the record was made when we, we did this song. And they would constantly be wiggling in the corner when we did sing in 1961. And some DJs would come in. There's a DJ I call Fumi and Krumi. He was like, man, yeah, you got to get that to the DJ's, Porter. And I was like, yeah, it's coming, it's coming. You know, we'll see what happens, but something's coming. And anyway, yeah, once we made the record, I, you must know about this um, soul summit that happens in in brooklyn they play dance music soul music and i had i had been coming to this dance party that they have on sundays for years but being you know being just like this little you know shy dude that did his little shoulder bops in 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 the corner in in, in brooklyn then you know 1960 what was was out and then they started to play it out there. And all of a sudden, people started to recognize me and notice me. And to the point where for a while I couldn't go out, I couldn't go out there and dance, because people would be like, my, my tuna come on, and they're like, you know, there's a bunch of selfies would start taking place. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, wow, I never, never imagined such a thing, you know? And, uh, and even now it's been played over the years. And now they're, caught, they're, now they're saying, man, you, you, you know how many times are the things that have happened, you know, spinning that record? I was like, no, I have no idea. So things happen with music. You make this music or you play this music and, and it creates a life for people. And and when you step into to their equation, sometimes they're reminded. And 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 sometimes I go into Brooklyn now, and people just grab me by the neck. Yo, Porter, and I don't even know these these people, and they grab me by the neck. And you know, it's like it's just, it's just it's just amazing the power of music and its ability to go into these different environments and make people feel a certain way. And I think my desire and, 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 and what I've been steeped in. If we can, uh, I, I want to get to as many of those people as I can, you know. Yes, there is something to, to say about purity, and some people have to stay home and and stick to one thing and one ting, 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 ting and do that. I honor those people that do that. I, I think uh, Wynton Marsalis is extraordinary. A blues man that never steps away from his, you know, three string guitar I respect that you know and I, and I love it but those you know those people that can pick and pull from all of that are necessary as well and in a way that's its own purity the purity of of of, of gathering bits and pieces and creating something else out of out of it and I and I'm and I'm I'm, I'm glad I'm in a time where I can do it and I've found enough markets around the world that it's it's
1: acceptable so the the big sort of dilemma for you, I think, was how come I'm not as well known in America as I am in in, in the rest of the world. It must have been odd for you You're on Blue Note, and <laughs> finally, it's beginning to come through, right? Yeah, I, I get the sense. I mean, you know, beyond the localities. I mean, yeah. it's on a on a major. Did, was that was that. Why the Nat King Cole album was an important sort of way to. You know, as as
0: strategic as the Nat King Cole thing seems, that is is just as soulful and as important as 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 Be Good or, or Water for me, because it's, it's it was it literally was the environment of 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 my childhood, not with a seventy piece orchestra, you know, but I think the consideration of commercialism, you know, wasn't even it wasn't even there in making that record. It was. You know natch music really was kind of the the foundation in the start and, and the environment of my house and 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 that music did speak to me in the absence of my father and um but yes, it did get me to some ears, some more ears in the u s and I think the the interesting thing that's happened is the you know the radio edits that they've done for some of my, my music, they, you know, they finally got around to playing it on, on U S radio and then people go back and it's like, Oh, okay. Yeah. There's something there. You know, they people are trying to figure out, I I think Americans sometimes are really late on a few things, you know, (laughs) you know, it's like, you guys will be enjoying it over here in the UK or, you know, in wider Europe. And, and then they, and then they like, okay, yeah. Okay. We get it. Yeah. But it's kind of always been that way with jazz, though.
1: That's certainly one thing. But then when I was in the States for the Winter Jazz, I go there most years now, and I was there for the Roy Hargrove tribute Mm -hmm. wake event at Kennedy Center, and I suddenly saw, oh, my gosh, this is a proper tribute. You could never get this anywhere else. This was like hundred years of yeah depth and the people that came out and the, the this is jazz. Yeah. You know, this is it. Yeah. And I was like, we're just little children at the back, you know, just doing <laughs> our having our view of, of, of how it is, you know, because you can't, you know, this is your art form. It's the you know, yeah. it's and, and I saw Wasn't that heavy, man? That was that was heavy, remarkable um, evening, and uh, I was just humbled at the side. You know, just like round the back there, just there sitting down watching everyone just just doing it modestly. It really humility
0: throughout. That's that's that's, that's it. It was the, the humility mm. and the realness mm. comes out because when there's a single cause,
1: you know. Yeah, because it's really funny because jazz in England, commercially speaking is less interesting, I think, than France or Germany. Germany and France have got a very... have had a a healthier relationship with it somehow. In England, I think that because of rock and roll having such a dominant force, any other music was very out in the fringes, Mm -hmm. which made the people who were behind these musics really passionate. And so almost like we were the outsiders and you can always, you've always got to be careful of outsiders because they're never going to go down. They're going Mm. to keep going Mm -hmm. and micro scenes will, will, will start coming out. And, and, and for me, for example, all the years that I was running record labels in the eighties and nineties, it was always in the shadows of pop and rock and trying to get my music to more ears and over the, the last few years now that things have changed and people are more open-minded and the media and the internet has allowed people to make their own choices, there's less control by mm-hmm. the machine. Yeah. Do you mm-hmm. get a chance in these, having been doing what you've been doing for quite a while now, when there are these moments, these intense moments, you're walking out on stage at the Albert Hall or you've got a big live television show to be able to enjoy that moment you know that's the thing I'm trying to do as much as I can now because you spend so much time being nervous about it or being sort of that sort of anticipation so that actually when the moment happens you can't really enjoy it and I felt that when I saw you at Albert Hall especially the second I, I didn't go the first time but I yeah. remember when I saw you at the Albert Hall you walked on there and I could tell that you were absolutely loving every moment of it yeah yeah. But that's not so easy. I think people don't always understand that.
0: No, it takes a minute to get there. It takes a minute to get there. You start to learn to, um, well, once you realize that, that, you know, your thing has been accepted and you, you know, and you just have a comfort mm. in what it is that you're, you're going to do. Now, just, still, there's plenty of things to get nervous about. And
1: have you got a trick? Have you got, for example, yesterday you were saying you were really enjoying sort of just chatting with all the musicians and mm-hmm. that side of it. Of course, it was amazing. Mm-hmm. But then you've got a film director, you've got a producer, and you've got the camera. Everyone's going, wow, you've got to be sitting there. You've got to talk here. Do, can you, how do you?
0: How do I do that? Yeah. The thing that I can, I've, I've come to with everything, with with my style, with my with my sound, musically, with, with how I even approach, you know, working in media is being organic and, and saying, this is me, Gregory, son of Ruth. is nothing I can do, but be me. And, and, and I think the most authentic me is probably the best foot to put forward. Now I can, I can, I can BS you with, you know, like GP, the, 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 sexy dog, you know, or what, or, no, you know, because I'm black, I'm all the way hip hop. You know, I could do all of that. Yeah. But the most authentic me is a little bit of all of it. Mm. It's a little bit of gospel, a little bit of blues, a little bit of soul, a little bit of, you know, intellectual, yet soulful listener, you know. So I think if I, if, if, you know, if I'm just organic, uh, it'll come across the right way. Mm. Yeah. When I try to put on some Crap! I'm, I'm embarrassed by it, and I don't ever look at it, or when it comes out on YouTube or something like that. If I'm just me, then it works. Are there, you know? bit,
1: are there bits out there that you would avoid? <laughs> <laughs>
0: there always is. You always do something. You know, there's always something. You know what's funny? I was I was joking. I was I was at this party in um, Germany, uh, this awards ceremony, and then the reporter. There was a like a two-minute moment of me just doing a total joke, stepping outside of myself. And that's the clip that he used. You know, and I'm it which which leads me to say, oh, you can never trust journalists, you know. Cause sure, I mean, I left him saying, saying to him, You you know that was a complete mess joke that I just did there. So, you know, don't use that. Next thing I know, that's the first thing. Oh. So I, I did my best to try to get a hold of him and tell him, I said, Man, take that down. It was a joke. And uh, and they finally did, but it was up for a long time. Wow. I was totally embarrassed. I was I was trying to be like an arrogant artist who completely deserves everything that he gets, you know. And um, <laughs> and yeah, it's just not me.
1: Humor doesn't always translate, does it? Yeah, it was like,
0: <laughs> but but he knew he was like, ooh, I got something here, you know. Right, Gregory's lost his humility, and now he's he turned into a diva, and it's like. Mm okay all right you made a splash now can i have my dignity back thank you but uh you
1: were brilliant that day i invited you i I don't know if you remember this when i was doing a dingwalls party on a sunday afternoon this is a few years ago now and and you came on and talking of humility and just coming on and doing your thing it was an unbelievable moment yeah. one of the great moments of my DJ career just to have Gregory Porter take the mic and no one knew yeah. that you were there that day. Yeah. That was remarkable. It was interesting
0: as I came in and the bartender was treating me kind of mean, a bit rude. I was trying to get a beer. <laughs> and then I went took my beer and kind of went over to a section and the the, the people over there were like um, not really giving me any space and I was I was I wanted to say well, I need a little room because I think I'm about to go up on stage, you know, and um, <laughs> so then, and then I was sanctioned by, you know, Giles Peterson and Patrick Forge, and, and you guys invited me up on stage, and, and boom. Then the people were like, oh, oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that one. Yeah. Yeah, that was amazing um, because the, 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 the club was warm. And uh, it was a good time. It was a good time. And it's some. I mean, that this that yeah, man, it was just really cool. The the, um, the faces, I, I I felt like I was in a movie because the faces, the people, you know, there's people that were there, older people, I could tell it's like, they've been dancing for 30 years, you know, they've been grooving and enjoying like this for 30 years. Um, the mix of races is is dope to see it, a thing like that. You know, sometimes you, you, you have to step out of yourself and step out of the circle of what you're in to know how special what you have is. So I stepped into this movie scene, you know, and seeing these brothers and sisters in hats twirling to whatever the DJ was spinning. Just as long as it's cool, jazz, soul, 70s soul music. And man, it was just cool, man. It's just absolutely cool, yeah. And I'm glad to step in and be part of it, yeah. So yeah, that's that's um, you know if, if 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 I get to make a movie, you know, we we'll recreate that scene. <laughs> I'll be
1: the DJ. I hope. Yeah. yeah. <laughs>
0: Hey, guys, you're listening to The Hang. Hit subscribe or follow on your podcast thingamajig of choice to get every episode of The Hang fresh off the presses. The Roots. The Roots uh, is something that I'm always fascinated with. You know, I, I talk about mine all the time. And what are yours? How did you get those 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 big ears of yours? And you said... You're you're a Londoner, <laughs> but yeah. what what is your what does your passport say?
1: My passport says French and Swiss, and <laughs> my parents brought me over from France because my dad was an engineer working for a Swiss company, and he just put us into South London and put me into the French lycée in London, and I had a French upbringing in as a you know stranger in London around the French circle, but when I was eleven, my parents decided to put me into an English school, and at that stage, I had to suddenly shift and relearn to write because my writing was too squiggly (laughs) (laughs) and um and i had to understand the etiquette of being a young boy in an english boys school and that was very different to being in a mixed french school and suddenly i had to belong to a musical tribe and i had the choice of being a skinhead a punk a rocker or a soul boy and in my school there were three soul boys and one of them's sister had some really great records and going around his house I discovered Earth, Wind & Fire and Bobby Caldwell and Stevie Wonder and Cameo and all these groups and Mm. through them I then, that was my doorway in and I found my identity and then I started going to these pubs and bars that would play this music and I was hearing this music on one radio show on BBC Radio London, a local station on a Saturday called the Robbie Vincent Show and a pirate station called Radio Invicta 92.4, the first soul station in London. Soul over London was their tagline. Okay. And um, I used to listen to that on a Sunday. I, the only place I could hear this pirate radio station was in my bathroom because that was the only place that I could actually get a signal. <laughs> and I'd be there. Singing. Remember those days? man yeah. you know, <laughs> you'd take a coat hanger, and that's what it was. Yeah. And I just wanted. I became obsessed by this music and by this world that I didn't know anything about. And um, yeah, I was on a mission. My electric railway set that was in the in the garden shed, suddenly disappeared when I was 13 and uh, one weekend my parents went away to somewhere on their wedding anniversary, they'd left me at home on my own with my sister and brother and they got back a few days later, the electric well as had gone and in the place of it was a twin deck, double mixer, turntable with a cassette (laughs) player in the middle (laughs) and a microphone. And I bought a transmitter and uh, a little, little pirate transmitter. So I set up my own pirate station by the age of 15. Wow. Where I would um, play out these little radio shows that I would record in my garden shed. And um, eventually my dad would help me put the aerials up <laughs> and, and broadcast. And that's it. So I just became this guy. And so by the age of 16, 17, I was getting known to be a guy who played jazz and soul records young young guy and had his own pirate station and and that was my journey beginning as that person so I would earn my money by DJing in bars and what I would do of course like any jazz musician or anyone I'd sort of build a little following and I'd say to the clubs and the pubs and the where the venues I'd say look give me a gig I'll bring 30 people they were like fine so then I brought a crowd, I played records and got a reputation. And I was the guy who played jazz. Yeah. Well, I remember when I was 15 or 16, I'd go, I think maybe, yes, I was, I was 16. I went to a weekender. Have you done these? Yeah. On holiday, in, a, in these like, you know, disused holiday camps <laughs> on the North Sea. <laughs> nothing happens all year round apart from, you know, and so, certainly nothing happens there in November. <laughs> <laughs> like <laughs> they're amazing and, and you get in and, and five six thousand people from all around the country would come and listen to their favorite DJs and there I was 16 going to Kayster in Norfolk and um and and at the main room they were playing all the big disco jazz funk records and soul records but I walked back and I found another room little back room and it was the jazz room yeah. and there was about 30 or 40 people dancing in there and they were brilliant. They were the best dancers. Yeah. They were like, they'd been promoted from the big room where all the kind of, you know, where the masses were but the best were in the back room and they were dancing to Lee Morgan yeah. and they were dancing to Chick Corea and yeah. they were dancing to the Fania All-Stars, Yeah. John Coltrane. Yeah. I remember hearing the night has a thousand eyes. Bob Jones, the DJ, was playing. The night has a thousand eyes by John Coltrane. I was sixteen, yeah. maybe seventeen. Art Blakey night in Tunisia, and there were these guys that looked great, danced great. They had the best looking girls. Yeah. you know, the, the, it was the best crowd was <laughs> right. there. I wanted to be in there. And, and suddenly the music was loud. The music was 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 talking to me. Yeah, I wasn't in a pub in South London full of you know people that I wouldn't relate to I was with my people listening to my music so that was really the real sign for me and mm-hmm. those are the guys who showed me that when I if you hear I mean funnily enough we're here with Joshua Redman there's a song by Dewey Redman it wasn't just even straight straight jazz they were playing heavy stuff Yeah. I remember Dewey Redman Unknown Tongues it's okay. an unbelievable tune okay. and they were playing that yeah YouTube that <laughs> and they were playing that you know full power like you're at a rave and you know people danced into that and when you see that and you're in that environment that's really what you were at when you came to Dingwall's that day that was the spirit of of the dance and I think the UK with this club culture and these back rooms that were doing this and pushing it out and finding songs you know Polish jazz fusion tracks that just killed it with bass lines you know obscure who found that stuff but yeah. they would find it play it and black kids from Birmingham and Nottingham and white kids and but this crazy mixture of all social groups yeah Working class would be at that dance, dancing to those tunes and battling it out like the kids in New York were battling it out to hip-hop. Yeah, They were doing it to jazz and they were mixing the old school jazz moves of the Nicholas Brothers and ballet and more classic stuff mm. with, you know, with with straight up sort of hip-hop style. Yeah. So yeah. this was quite a unique thing. In fact, people don't talk about it enough because people talk about Northern Soul and they talk about Acid House these little jazz dance battles that would happen. Mm -hmm. Well, Art Blakey was, there was, I was talking to your manager, Heather, actually, when Mm -hmm. she was looking after Art Blakey. I didn't know that. And I know that there was a, there's a great television, television program where Art Blakey came to London with, uh, and he kind of fused the jazz, his jazz messengers with the jazz warriors at the time. So that scene of people like Steve Williamson and, courtney pine and cleveland watkiss mixed with people like jean toussaint they were doing a gig which was filmed and then they got all the dancers out as well from our dingwalls, from our club scene to do the dance thing and that was a unique sort of moment of club culture and legacy jazz all coming together to create something very exciting yeah very proud of that period i think it's a strong part of um of our culture. And I think it was very much a big part of what allowed you to make a song like black Nile, you know, or Harold Mabon, Afro blue. Those are big tunes as well, you know, as well as all your other stuff, but that's a part of Gregory Porter. That is a hugely important part of that playlist, Mm -hmm. which, which continues to, to be played by certain DJs around the world.
0: Wow. That's really rich. That's really, really rich. Uh, in terms of just music culture, and that's awesome to hear you know uh, yeah, just just the strings of the you know of the fabric of, of 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 where you're coming from um, do you feel a power? do you feel a power when you're and, and there's a room uh, and you put on a vinyl and 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 the music just elevates the spirit of people i mean you you're generally on a platform above mm. all these bodies mm. and you, you put on something and it just, it just starts this yeah. thing. Do you feel like a vessel or do you feel like a.
1: Uh... It's an interesting thing being a DJ, being me as a DJ, because I mean different things to different people. So for example, these parties where we play these heavy jazz tracks to dancers battling it out, that's, something I do maybe three times a year, four times a year, playing to that particular audience. It's amazing. But I can't do that all the time. I'm equally the guy who will go and play at a big warehouse party in Manchester to 3,000 below 23-year-olds, you know, and they want to hear me play, you know, heavy, abstract, electronic music Uh where I'll slip in a bit of Jackie McLean or a little bit of oddball stuff. Yeah, yeah. That's also, in fact, probably more satisfying to me because I'm doing something really new. Yeah. But then if someone who wants to hear me playing the more traditional stuff comes to that party, they're really disappointed mm-hmm. because they were expecting, you know, Giles to play a version of Moaning or something, you right. know, and, or some Brazilian stuff or some Cuban stuff. So for me as a DJ, it's quite an interesting sort of balancing act when I have to play and work out where I'm at and who I'm playing to. What I found in time is that because I've been in the game as a DJ for nearly 40 years now, I've got a lot of generations who've grown up with me. A lot of them have grown up with me, had children been out of the game for 20 years. They're all coming back now. I'm seeing them again. They're all back in the room. And then I was they think that I've just been playing the same stuff for 20 years and I've gone differently. So what I find now is I have to almost, this is why Japan is particularly good for a DJ like me because you go there and you go, okay, you know you're going to get the right sound. You know you're going to get, you know, the perfect treatment. But also they let me play for 12 hours if I want to, you know, so i go on at midnight and I'll still be playing at eight or nine in the morning. I mean, I do mega, mega sets. Wow. That's when I'm that's when I'll find that moment when I elevate myself. Yeah. When I can play a jazz waltz at the end of the night, you know, if I can play Half and Half by Jimmy Garrison and Elvin Jones to five hundred people dancing or Brother John by Youssef Latif at the end of having played electronic music and way out sort of bonkers UK baseline music or whatever and at the end of the night i can play that and get a certain amount of spirituality at the dance it doesn't get any better than that that's why i continue to do my job to find that moment that's the moment you know when you can find that and, and if you can find it on a new song of course it's, it's great And and for me again you know it's that balance between using the grand history of music as a reference and as an ingredient to my overall mix, Mm -hmm. which in contains a lot of newness. I can't just do the old. I need to, I need to be able to find the emerging thing. You know, for me as a broadcaster, you know, it was like, When I played Pharrell N.E.R.D. before anybody had heard it, when I played Gregory Porter or Jose James or when I played James Blake or Mount Kimby or Amy Winehouse, all these people at the time, they were just demos. Yeah. And so that's a super pleasure. And and just watching that journey take place from, (laughs) Uh, you know, playing it at the moment. That's awesome. Yeah, Yeah. that's a great moment. Yeah. It's a great feeling.
0: You know, I'm reminded of a... um of a festival you talked about understanding your audience and and having that audience uh not dictate but but give you some guidelines as to how you should should treat them as a body as as one body in a particular place i think this is kind of a dj festival that you did in in France mm. in set I think it is yeah
1: yeah worldwide festival
0: worldwide festival right I remember going out onto the stage and it was it's wild man <laughs> it's wild it's, it's is it what are, should should I call it a
1: peninsula or what 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 would you call that yeah, it's kind of the end of a pier kind of yeah the end of a pier <laughs> <laughs> how many bodies. Well, I mean, I think, funnily enough, when you played that day, it was sort of early in the evening. I think so. Sun, sun was setting. Sun was setting, and uh, I'm sure you've played there again, but not for me. You've probably played at the Théâtre de la Mer, which is the other amazing. This is particular. This is
0: that particular space, where. You played. Wait, on, it was the dance
1: heads. Yeah, yeah. No, you played on the. So we have three stages. There's the beach, there's the theater, and then there's this great thing we call it the San Christus, where the lighthouse is at the end of a pier. There's yeah. this kind of 5,000 people right. surrounded by the sea. We go through the night, and actually, the morning comes up, and the fishermen are going out to sea while wow. everyone's raving still. It's an amazing sort of experience. Wow. And you, I mean, it was a wonderful night, the night you played. And it was, again, early days. For for Gregory Porter within the club scene in a way, and and um, but again that festival for me is about really mixing DJ culture. With like, it's like for me, it's the ultimate radio show yeah. where I can listen to my favorite live bands, whether that's Orchestro Polyrhythmo de Cotonou, African music, whether it's just crazy new electronic Flying Lotus, or whether it's Gregory Porter. For me, it all comes together yeah. and it's all linked by amazing DJs.
0: Well, for me, as as a uh, performer, maybe we were on a very long tour, maybe a two month tour at that time, and uh, I remember physically my body being sore,
1: yeah.
0: and but coming to uh, the stage and seeing the energy. There's a particular energy to to you know, like a, a dance crowd or a DJ crowd or, or a crowd that's or people that just want to have a good time out in the sun, right? But I said to myself, okay, I got to do a little something, yeah. you know. <laughs> I, you know, <laughs> I have to have some levity to my thing and just, just just, really enjoy myself and flex. And that's what happened with that set, man. And, and the crowd. You caught uh, it. I uh, the, remember that. The crowd was there and they, they, they dug it. I remember Chip, somebody took uh, one <laughs> of Chip's solos and slowed it down into slow motion at that, when he was playing at that festival, he's just, boom, pow. Well, he's, 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 it almost, there's one point where he hits the piano with two fists. (laughs) And uh, it was a great, it was great experience to have that music with that crowd. um, Just, just the way that, that you talked about yeah this juxtaposition is is i remember that day i was
1: i was sneaking him cigarettes right right (laughs) i don't think he was allowed to smoke yeah (laughs) or maybe it was more than a cigarette i can't remember i I recall i was was totally
0: cool with it because it was it was that kind of vibe yeah it uh, was fun it was was
1: great i mean it is difficult i think that's one thing that i've had to sort of I mean, any artist, any musician, you know, you're under the spotlight and, and you have to deliver and there's a flip side to that in a way. As a DJ, it's interesting. I, I, I do a lot of stuff. I go around the world with my MC, my sound man. I need someone with me most of the time just to kind of protect me a little bit mm. and, um, yeah, I think over the year. I mean, like, it must be difficult. I mean, as a jazz musician, it's, it's the same, right? I mean, I don't know how you, what's the, what's, how do you mentally, what's your mental health sort of?
0: I, I need to, f- for me, I need quiet before a performance and I need a little downtime after a performance. And I take it, it, it doesn't have to be an extended period of time. It may be just 15 minutes or, or uh, but I, I, I kind of like, a little alone time to assess. I'd actually, I, I don't, in, in terms of like a personal handler who's who's guiding me and showing me, I've, I've been, people are, are amused as I go around the world and I don't have anybody, you know?
1: You got your band?
0: I have my band, but, but you know, sometimes you got to separate from them if you're traveling 300 days a year together, you know? Um, I, Yes, I do have my band and they're always... They're always there, but it's funny thing that happens when we get to an airport. We all disperse in different, you know, one goes to eat, one goes to look at watches, one goes to the drugstore. And, and we're, we're good at convening. Like, let's get together and make this music. Let's get to, I mean, we, there's not a lot of talk before the show. We get together for about five minutes before we go onto the stage and it's and lots of joke. And I love to joke. Before I go out on the stage, I love to make fun of Chip being old or Jamal having big feet or whatever. You know, <laughs> they're all they're all just just things to bring some lightness before we go on to the stage and 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 brother brotherly uh, energy. So, yeah, um, for me, for me, your quiet time before just to center myself, as, you know, and see how my body is feeling, and a little quiet time after, um, you know, but the time in hotel rooms, I think the loneliness of that, uh, I both, it's, it's, it's two-sided, I, now as a writer and an and artist, I actually, I use that loneliness, um, I write about it. I, um, I'm okay with it. Like I get it's the thing that happens with, with, with somebody who writes about their emotions is like, they, you start to savor pain in a way It sounds cr- crazy, but you start to like, okay, let me experience this. Oh, let me, what does this broken heart really feel like? What does this loneliness feel like? Now I'm longing to, to, to give my son a hug. What does that What is that? What is that? Because ultimately it's going to create something. You understand what I'm saying?
1: Have you coped with the sort of uh, addiction type things? You've never had sort of drinking or drugs or any of that sort of area. Did that ever kind of play with you? Did you have to be careful with it? No, I I never had.
0: uh, Drugs has never been an issue for me, uh, probably based on, my, my upbringing with my mother trying to help so many people get off of drugs so we you know I, I, I just saw the downside of it so when I came to the clubs and I saw the social aspects of, of, of drugs yeah I saw that but then I, I'm i the type of person who's like okay let me go to the back of the room and see where the problem is and, see. and there's a problem back there and there'll be, there'll be a song on the record the next record about that problem it's called 15 Minutes. And it's about that 15 minutes of the break in between sets where people go and do their thing. And, um, and the bridge is... Um, These well-dressed gentlemen of the slope They will gladly bring you down fast or slow But there's one thing I know for sure At the bottom of the hill you need another pill to get high. You know, it's kind of an unspoken part of of the culture, but it, it's a part of the culture. And and at the little club I worked in, Saint Nick's Pub, it was in different areas in in, uh, in New York City. I don't know so much around the world, but yeah, I get offered stuff, but. I'm not interested in, in, uh, in going there.
1: It must be quite interesting when you're a musician and you are with musicians who one minute are a certain way and then they have their 15 minutes and they come back on stage. I'm not yeah. saying your band, but just generally if you're jamming and suddenly the mood of the, some, some, something changes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and gets, you have to... <laughs> <laughs> you know, <laughs> the
0: drummer is all of a sudden playing in double time <laughs> all the time. <laughs> You know, it, it, it was it was uh, yeah that 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 happened and and can happen. Um, but um, you know, it's
1: the same thing with the DJs. They just pitch the house records. I like say <laughs> they, they start at one twenty and then oh, the DJ's playing at one thirty BPM. What happened?
0: <laughs> <laughs> but this is but this is life. I mean, this is this is this happens in 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 all all forms of of, of people's uh, work uh, work life. Um, but. Uh, you know, in ours, because uh, you know, music is, is social, it's pronounced. You know, I'm I am am not going to or, or mention any names, but in jazz, I mean, it's 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 known, it's known about. Hell, and rock and roll is known, the blues is known, but in uh, the human condition, it's known. So, you know, I don't think it's any different, quite frankly. But, uh, yeah, yeah, I, I it's affected me. And I've, and I've, I've, I've seen it. It's affected, quite frankly, it has affected my band and, um, you know, I had to make some, some, some changes. Uh, but you know, I have, I have such a a love for the people that I've, that I've, that I've played with, uh, currently, and even in, in the past, even when I sing that lyric, uh, I'm, it's 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 a, it's a lyric. Even it's just a, a, an admonishment to them. Just you know, just be careful. That's what I'm. That's what I'm probably saying with the, with the song. Yeah.
1: That was a great exclusive. Yeah. Got a nice little piece of your next, <laughs> <laughs> your next
0: track. <laughs> Can I take that for
1: my show, please? <laughs>
0: yeah. You know what, man? Thank you so much. This this uh, this has been a real hang. The show the show is called. You know the hang and this has been a real hang and i've been you know i've been wanting to have another one since i, I don't think we've had a good hang since i since i was on your radio show yeah. some some years back but uh, totally good hang i have just mad respect and and love for you and, and what you do and and uh, thank you so much for for being a part of my career you're in my history you know you're in my system already so so thank you so much giles peterson for being with us
1: and hanging Brilliant. I appreciate it. I can't wait to hear the next record. Oh,
0: yeah, yeah. uh, (laughs) It's on its way. It's on its way, I promise.
1: (laughs) Thanks, Gregory. So there it is.
0: Wow. As always, thank you so much for joining me. Thanks again to my guest, Mr. Giles Peterson. Clap your hands now. I'm Gregory Porter, and this has been The Hang, a Cup and Nuzzle production.